0: Unfortunately, I've had to say it many times to many couples. Sometimes they're having just a real big fight. Other times they're just trying to explain something to each other. And you see the frustration that begins to occur when they just can't seem to understand. And I speak up and say, you do realize that you're having two different conversations, do you not? And they look at me like I'm from Mars. What do you mean two different conversations? Well, she's saying one thing and you're talking about something completely different and neither of you is aware of that. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe beam. Welcome to marriage radio today. I'd like to talk about how do you communicate where the other person can understand you? Is that a possibility? Can you do that? What I'm going to do is help you understand, I hope, a couple of real key essential things about what you need to do on your side for communication to take place. Now, in subsequent podcasts, we'll talk about more principles and those kinds of things, but just some basic things today. You do understand that communication can be extremely difficult to accomplish, particularly (laughs) particularly if you try to write it. You say, what? I mean, think about it this way. Have you ever thought you could write a sentence so perfect that everybody would understand it just alike. You do realize that even God didn't pull that one off, don't you? (laughs) What I mean by that is just pull out a Bible, any translation you wish, and almost any church that you happen to be part of, and get these people to start talking to each other about what does that verse mean, and what does that verse mean, and et cetera. And the next thing you know, you'll have a fight because somebody will see this verse that way and somebody that way. And that's what I mean when I say even God can't pull that off. Or maybe another way to think of it is just in the scene, um, well, the way attorneys operate. I mean, somebody, one attorney or an entire firm, if they wish, can work on a contract and work it and work it and work it until they think they have it just exactly like it needs to be so nobody could ever dispute what was in it, what was to occur, consequences, etc. Until somebody else decides it doesn't fit what they want. And now you have two teams of lawyers going at each other over what was written that somebody at some point thought was so crystal clear, everybody would understand it. You say, what? What's this got to do with relationships? Well, it really is about relationships because we've reached a point in time in the history of the world when many people want to communicate by writing. Only not really writing. You know that if you listen to letters that are read sometimes on documentaries about such things as the Civil War, that the eloquence of those letters, even from what we would consider to be not highly educated people who had gone off to war and they write the letters back to their wives, and and those things sound almost like poetic masterpieces because they really were pretty good writers, you understand, and they had learned how to do that. But even in writing, even in writing, you don't really get all of the nuances of the message. Let me give you an example. Suppose you were to read the statement, I didn't see the man hit his wife. Hmm, sounds simple enough, doesn't it? I didn't see the man hit his wife. Well, okay, we understand what that means. Maybe, maybe not. Because you see, if that is a transcript where that somebody said, I didn't see the man hit his wife, and somebody wrote that down, what we don't get are the nuances of how people communicate. So, for example, let's just take that same sentence and think about it a different way, if you will. Um, What if we were listening to the person that actually said it, and he said, Well, I didn't see the man hit his wife. And we still have the same sentence. I didn't see the man hit his wife. But now we understand it extremely differently. Just the fact that he emphasized that first word. I I didn't see the man hit his wife. Now we start to wonder, "Mm, Well, is he trying to tell me that he saw somebody else hit his wife? Hmm." Or I didn't see the man hit his wife. Hmm. So now maybe it wasn't the man that we're talking about. Maybe some other person was involved. It might've been a man. It might've been a woman. It might've been a child. It might've been a beast. But uh, when he says, I didn't see the man hit his wife. Now we are beginning to interpret that message totally differently. Or even I didn't see the man hit his wife. Oh, Then what makes you think he did? Did you hear it? Did you stumble upon it just afterwards? Did you see the bruise on her face? Or I didn't see the man hit his wife. Hmm. That makes it sound like maybe you saw the man hit somebody else. So you under or I didn't see the man hit his wife. (laughs) Again, kind of like that last one. Well, did you see him hit somebody else? You understand that just by the inflection, by the words that are emphasized, we get a different message and therefore when you're reading and we have reached a world where that people are not writing in the eloquent letters like they did back in the 1800s but they're writing each other texts and a lot of times they were abbreviating that or emails and even in the emails not maybe even making full sentences out of it you understand that when you type you're actually not using all the same parts of your brain that when you write by hand anyway but here we are with all of our emoticons and our abbreviations like LOL and all those other kind of things. And then we text each other, and it gets kind of ridiculous after a while because people wind up having full fledged knockdown, drag em out arguments in Facebook posts, or in text messages, or in emails, or in, well, you get the picture. You understand, And then we wonder, why Why don't people just talk to each other face-to-face? Well, we could talk about that for a long time, and that's a lot more complicated than what we'll be discussing here. (laughs) Sometimes, I think, and this is just Beam's opinion, and it certainly wouldn't be applicable to every situation, but sometimes, I think, it's because of the fact they don't have the courage to talk to the other person face-to-face. And therefore, what I'll do is I'll just send you a text, or I'll send you an email. Have you noticed that people can be much braver when they're not face to face with you and some of the mean things they'll say, some of the attacks they'll make on you, so forth and so on. Now, for example, several years ago, I know a a man who wrote a book that was actually arguing against a book written by a man that used to be his friend. And when the question was asked, well, before you actually publish this book, why don't you go talk to your friend to see if you really understood what he was saying? And you can still have a right to publish your book if you want to disagree, but wouldn't you think at least you could talk it out first? And his response was, no, don't want to do that. Now, in that particular situation, based on subsequent events and the fact that I knew the man very well and some of the conversations we had afterwards and some of the admissions he finally made, it really was based on cowardice. I just don't want to get to him with him face to face either because I think he'll out argue me or I'll think that I'll lose his friendship or something. And what I'm suggesting is if you're going to have a relationship in this world, sometimes it will have to be that you write just because of the fact you can't be with each other. But please, if you're going to truly communicate with each other, please do not do it in writing. Now I'm not talking about for legal reasons, I'm talking about for communication reasons. Remember, remember, even the lawyers. (laughs) If you're thinking, well, if I put enough words with it, it becomes clear and there's no question. Yeah, tell it to the lawyers who argue over words in court every day. That's not necessarily the case. So what should you remember here before I finally get to the principles that I want to teach you? One is if you're gonna really talk to each other, it really would be better done face to face. Oh, and one last thing about the writing before I leave that, never assume that you understand what another person says just because of the fact that you read what he or she wrote. Please, understand that. I hear people talk about it all the time. In my business, I work with marriages and people who want to be in love, people who are in love, people who want to grow in love, and and unfortunately, sometimes people who are trying to rescue lost love And I know that sometimes they'll, they'll show me the text or the letter or the email. The other person has said, see, this is what that means. And I look at it and go, "Mm -hmm. I understand why you think it would say that. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, but I can see some other possibilities right here immediately. And so if you're going to do the writing, don't think that you have written it so perfectly, the other person will get your meaning exactly. And if you're reading the other person's writing, don't think that you are so brilliant that you can understand everything he or she meant altogether. It's not likely that that's the case. So, as I was moving, let's go to the point then. If you're going to communicate, the really better way you do it is to do it face to face. And just as, just as you don't assume when, when you're reading somebody that you understand completely everything that they said, just because you read all the words they wrote, don't assume that you understand all the words another person says. Now, obviously, because we've got such great communication in the world today, we can talk to each other, even if we can't see each other. And we can also talk to each other now from great distances and also see each other. Hmm. So I would suggest if you really want to communicate, if it's something really important, do it face to face. And if you can't, do it face-to-face rather than decide you're gonna send an email or a text. If, if it's important, then at least try to do it where you can hear each other's voices because you can understand some of the nuances there. And if possible, be in the same room, look at each other because being in the same room is still far better than being on FaceTime or Skype. And I'm, I'm excited that we have great technology like those things like Skype and FaceTime. But even then it's just different when you can be in the room because, well, you can just read people better. And if you're paying attention, if you're going to listen to them, if you're really going to try to understand the communication from the other person so that when you start communicating back, it's more likely that you will be understood. Then let me give you three keys. Just three keys that will work. Now, I'm calling this particular podcast Never Assume. You'll understand that in just a moment. But these three things all start with the letter A. So let's just call it the triple A engine. The triple A engine. Now, if you're a researcher or if you deal with sociology and social things, you'll know that there's something else called a triple A engine that has to do with pornography. Now, that's not what I'm talking about at all here, okay? I'm talking about three A's that if you can remember, then it really enhances the likelihood that you'll understand each other. Okay, what's the first A? The first A is attune. Attune? Yeah, attune. Now, you, if you are a person who loves words like I do, I just love words, then you might have already looked that up even while I had a pause there for a second. <laughs> or you may already know the exact definition, and you say attune means to bring into harmony. What are you telling me? I'm saying that if you really want to communicate well with each other, if it's something that's actually important, okay, then you try to get into a situation where you can harmonize. If, if you will let me use that word i like it a tune meaning to harmonize that means turn off the cell phones it means turn off the television it means turn off the radio it means lock up the kids <laughs> a little facetious just there but at least don't let the kids be interrupting running in and, and interrupting you or in a place where other people might be walking up and stopping you right in the middle of it in other words if you're gonna have a really involved conversation it's probably not good to have it in a restaurant So that you're being quiet so that other people don't hear or that a waiter is going to be walking up and asking you questions occasionally and stopping you right in the middle of things. If you really want to communicate, in other words, and I realize this is not the way you're going to communicate every day. I'm talking about when you really want to understand each other, when you're talking about something that's really important, what you want to do is to attune. All right now, so we remove all the distractions, the cell phones, the TVs, the radios, everybody else. We are in a situation where we can actually look at each other. And it would be important that you do. I realize that sometimes, even when you're trying to have these deep, important conversations, it's difficult to look at the other person because of the emotions involved. For example, if I were talking with my wife, Alice, whom I love with all my heart, If she were talking about something that I had done that hurt her, and in the course of the conversation, she began to cry because of the pain I'd caused her, it would be hard for me to keep looking at her because I'd be feeling so badly about what I'd done that I'd be tempted to look away or look down. But understand that when I do, if I do, I lose part of our communication process. You say, what do you mean? You see, it's not just the words I'm hearing, it's how she's encoding those words. Yes, part of that would be the words that she chooses. Each word becomes important, whether you think it is or not. It also involves the way she intones that word. In other words, how how is she going to say it? Is she going to yell it at me? Is she going to whisper it to me? Is she going to say it with pain in her voice? Or is she going to say it with happiness? Whatever she does, that tone of voice is extremely important. And that's why we say if you can't be face to face, at least do the audio where you're talking to each other on the phone or whatever. But but if I can look at her, I'll see even more. Now, I'm not talking about taking some kind of a class where you learn how to interpret every little nuance that the other person does. I realize there are people out there who are experts who will teach you how to do all kinds of things, and and they'll say, look at which way their toes are pointed and all kinds of things like that, and that's fine. If they were to be experts at that, then so be it. That's not what I'm talking about here. I am talking about the fact that sometimes you can see that... uh, it's just clear you don't have to be an expert with expert training that the words, even with the tone of voice, the words that are chosen, etc., the volume, the words coming out of the person's mouth is, well, they're just incongruent with what you're seeing on the person's face or what you're seeing from the person's body. I actually did have a conversation with a lady once, and I asked her a question, and she said, no, no. But as she did, she actually was shaking her head, yes, yes. The next question I asked, she said, yes, yes. But interestingly, she was actually shaking her head no. Now, you don't have to be Freud (laughs) to read through some of these things and go, hmm, the words coming out of her mouth don't match the body language that goes there. I don't have to have a special class to see that. Now, it's often not that obvious. But if a person, for example, is telling me that, Joe, I'm sorry that I, I shot your dog, Terrible illustration. Sorry for that. And while he's looking at me, telling me he's sorry that he did that thing that caused me so much pain, his eyes are twinkling and there's a smile on his lips, I'm going to be hearing a different message from his body language and from the words he's saying, even if he happens to get the right tone of voice into it and chooses just the right words. So attune means exactly that. Look, listen, pay attention, pay attention to everything. If they are not looking at you, you might want to glance see what they're looking at. Now, again, you can get a lot of training on this, like neurolingu- guess, neurolinguistics and things like that. But And they'll tell you, well, if you look up to the left, it means this. If you look down to the right, it means that. I'm not saying you have to have that, really. Just pay attention. Attune. Try to be in harmony with the other person where there's no distraction. And you are really trying to latch on to what's going on in his or her head by paying close attention. Now, if you have been listening to me, you understand that as part of that attuned step, you can't be rallying yourself for defense. (laughs) In other words, if you're thinking, Oh yeah, well I heard that, but here's what I'm going to say about that. Or I didn't even hear that. I'm not paying attention because I'm waiting for my chance to say this. And you know, it happens. Even if I love you dearly, and we're having a deep and serious conversation, my mind may stray a little bit, particularly if you say something and I think, oh, wow, I need to say this about that. And if I let myself cut off on those things, thinking about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say you understand that I am no longer in harmony with you. I am not attuned. And so if it's really an important conversation, if you're really trying to understand the other person, even even if the other person is telling you something you do not want to hear, even if the other person is asking you a question you don't want to answer, even if the other person is asking you to do something you don't want to do, do your best to attune. Okay, at this point, I'm just trying to understand you, so I'm going to lock on. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to be noticing if, you're, if you become twitchy, nervous, twisting around. I'm going to notice if you're calm. I'm going to see what's happening in your eyes. I'm going to pay attention. He said, wow, then if I do that, I'll understand what the other person's saying? No. <laughs> but that is the first step, and it is absolutely essential. Now, here's the second A. It's a triple A engine, remember? The first one is attune, harmonize. Harmonize now just in listening. The next one is ask. ASK, ask. It's that simple. You see, one of the things I see when I'm reading posts on Facebook. And and we have some Facebook groups that are involved with what we do for relationships and marriages. And then some of the things I hear people talk about when they're talking to me, either on the telephone or if I'm having face-to-face conversations with them, it's just kind of fascinating how often people assume that they know the other person's motives. Or even if the person is saying one thing, they assume that they know that person so well that they know that that person's lying or the person's not saying it like they really should. And and what they're doing, rather than attuning and trying to understand what's really being communicated, is they're making their own judgments. And that is bad. You say, well, wait a minute. Why is it bad? You can know what other people think. You can understand their motives. Oh, really? Really? How many times in life have you done something, it may be a little bizarre, unusual, at least out of your normal actions, and somebody looks at you and says, why did you do that? And the only honest answer you could give was, I don't know. I really don't know. Now, I've heard people make fun of that, oh, you always know. I'm telling you what, I don't always know. Sometimes I think it would take a a, a full team of psychologists and psychiatrists to help me figure out why the heck I said some of the things I said or some of the things that I did. Because for whatever reason, while I did feel that I wanted to say them, I don't know exactly why. Now, if I don't always understand my motivations, then I certainly can't always understand your motivations. Oh, and there's another aspect of that. Motivations are rarely... 100% 100% pure. Now, let me first explain by telling you one that might be 100% pure. If, if you're holding a three-year-old child, it was your child that you love with all your heart and your arms, and somebody tries to hurt that child, your motivation at that point could be 100% pure. I'm protecting the child that I love, and that's the only thing motivating you to do whatever you do next. But most of the time in life, our motives really are kind of mixed. For example, if you were to find some, well, let's just say a great evangelist who loves to get in the pulpit and tell people about God and about his religion, and you say, okay, do you think that would be an absolutely pure emotion or motivation, I should say? And my response would be probably not. Now, part of his motivation will be that he loves God. Part of his motivation will be that he wants to serve God. Part of his motivation will be that he really cares about people and wants to help them find a better life. But part of his motivation is going to be, in all likelihood, in all likelihood, that he likes being in front of people and getting that kind of attention. Does that mean then that his motives are bad? And the answer is no. Most emotions are mixed. Now, we don't need to try to find some kind of formula to divide Well, is it 20% this and 80% that or 70% this and 30% that, that just gets ridiculous. I'm just saying that most of us in most situations in life, our motivations are not 100% pure. But there are other things involved in that. And if, for example, a great evangelist got in the pulpit and preached an amazing sermon, and I know, or at least I do believe, that he really does love God. He really does love people. He is trying to do good. It doesn't bother me that some percentage of that motivation is the fact that he loves to be in front of people and, and get that kind of attention that does not negate at all the good part of what he's doing. Now, if he did it only for that, I view him differently, but the only way that I could know he did it only for that is if he told me, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can just tell by looking at him. Really? Really? Has Have you ever been in any situation in your life where the people misjudged you? I mean, seriously, they misjudged what you felt. They misjudged what you said. They misjudged what you thought. They misjudged the motive of why you did whatever it was that you did. Have you ever done some good thing for someone and somebody turned around and say, you only did that because it made you look good? Now, is there some part of you that enjoyed the fact that it did make you look good? It's okay if there's some part that does. It's fine. But it doesn't belie the fact that the primary motivation, the stronger one there, is that you really saw a person in need and you wanted to help. I mean, many times in my life, I've seen a, a lady stranded on the side of the road with a flat tire pull over, go back, take my jack, change her tire for her. And I do it because typically they're on a the long side of road somewhere. And I'm thinking, we need to get you back in that car with that door locked, going wherever you need to go as fast as we can get you because the world, the world is no longer a safe place. And that really is my primary motive. I, mean, <laughs> I totally like changing tires. I really don't. Is there a part of me that knows when she says, thank you, I'm going to feel good? Yeah. Is that part of my motivation? I'm sure that it is, but it doesn't belie the other part of my motivation, which is I really wanted to help somebody. Now, if you're hearing my point here, what I'm saying is that when you start judging the motives of another person, even if you caught a little bit of it accurately, you've got such a big chance of missing. So never assume that you know what the other person's motive is. The only way you can know for sure the other person's motive is if they tell you And they're telling you honestly, I mean, if they're lying to you, obviously you still don't know, but the only way you can know the other person's motive and know it for sure is if they tell you their motivation. So don't assume, you know, don't assume that you know what it is they're trying to accomplish. For example, picture the teenager that comes in and says, Dad, I want to borrow the car Friday night. And instantly, Dad assumes, okay, I know what he's going to do. He's got that new girlfriend, and and I don't know if I like her or not. I'm not sure she's going to be going to influence. And Dad starts making all these assumptions in his mind about what the kid wants and what the kid's going to do. It just doesn't help you to understand the other person because then when the kid starts talking, what's Dad going to say? He's going to be responding to what he's assumed because he's not attuned to the kid. He's not really asking questions to clarify what the kid really says, what the kid really feels, what the kid really wants. And when he responds, well, you know, you probably had this happen to you when you were a teenager, or if you've had a teenager or even any other kids, you have probably done it to your kids where they walk away saying, you just never listen. You don't understand. And you're thinking, oh, yes, I do, buddy. I was a kid once. Oh really? You didn't, if you didn't listen, you really don't understand. You say, well, I could have guessed right. Well, yeah, you're right. You could have guessed right. And maybe you did, but you didn't have good communication. And so when it comes to understanding a person that you love or a person that you're married to, when the person starts talking, don't assume that you know where they're headed. Don't assume that you understand every motive behind what they're doing. It's a whole lot better if you're attuned to them to just ask. Now, if you ask in a challenging way, <laughs> communication stops as well. In other words, if, if I'm talking to you and the question you ask me is, appears to me not to be for clarification, but a put down of me, an insult, something sarcastic, or that you're questioning my integrity. If you come across in some bad way when you ask the question, communication stops. And you've had that happen to you. You know you have. Or you were trying to explain something to somebody, and the way they talked back to you made it very clear they weren't listening to you at all. And when they did ask you a question, you either felt that you were being set up by that question so that you could be you know, ripped into, or that you were being put down by that question, or that the person had made such an assumption about you that the question indicated their assumption, or at least indicated the possibility of their assumption. And so you just go, uh, forget it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Now, if you want real communication, and we're talking about when you're talking, when it really matters, obviously you can't do this with every conversation in the world, but when it really matters, what do you do? I'm listening to you. And I will ask you questions to help me clarify just today at lunch. My friend Jim Porto and I were talking to a young lady who works with our nonprofit organization, and she's new with us. And she was asking us some questions about what we did and not just what we did in our job, but what we did for other people. And she was giving us various scenarios like, well, what about this situation? What would you do? And what about that situation? What would you do? And at one point, she asked a question. And because she was talking to both Jim and me, nobody responded. If she'd been talking just to Jim or to me, the response would have become faster, but each of us was waiting for the other. You said, waiting for what? I didn't know what she meant by the question. And so I was waiting because I figured, well, I bet Jim understands he'll answer. And Jim was sitting here thinking, I didn't understand the question. I'm sure Joe did. I'll wait for him to get the answer. And so several seconds ticked by. And now she's looking at us like, did I just do a faux pas? (laughs) Did I do something wrong? And so Jim spoke up and said, I'm having trouble understanding the word. And he mentioned a word that she had said, can you help me understand what it means in that context? You see, it was just a question. It was a question to help me clarify. And so if a person is trying to explain to you what he or she feels or what he or she wants or what he or she doesn't like, if you ask challenging questions, it's probably going to stop the communication. But if you ask sincere and honest questions like, okay, okay, can you help me understand what that means? I'm not arguing. I'm really trying to understand. You you are sincere, and therefore you come across as sincere. If you do that, then you can clarify. And so the first is attune, and the second is ask. I'm not assuming that I know what you're trying to tell me. I'm not assuming I understand your motivations. I'm not assuming anything. I'm just trying to understand. I'm just asking questions. I'm just listening. Hmm. Well, then there's the third A. You say, okay, I'm ready. What is it? Acknowledge. All right, now pay attention to me. The first one was attune. I want to be in harmony. I really want to be keyed into you in these important conversations. The second is I'm going to ask. I'm not going to assume anything. I'm going to ask just so I can understand. And I'm going to ask in a way where we're really communicating, not trying to do anything else. And then acknowledge means I'm going to let you know that I've heard you and it gets deeper than that because right now you're saying, Oh, it's the simple stuff that we hear all the time. Okay. No, it's not just this thing that sometimes people call active listening where you say, well, what I hear you saying is that you're very angry. Is that right? I'm not talking about that. That's good. That's fine. If you can do that, I've been trained in that good for you. Acknowledge in the context of what I'm talking about, acknowledge has to do with seeing the other person's side, whether you agree with it or not. You do what? Seeing the other person's side, whether I agree with it or not. So let's say Alice and I are arguing about whether or not we should buy a new car. Let's say I've come in and I've seen my dream car <laughs> that Mercedes SLK, I think it's called, you know, the two seater the convertible, the gorgeous one, or that new two seater convertible. I think it was maybe Honda the other day or Lexus. It was Lexus. Lexus had this brand new two seater convertible and the commercial, it looks awesome. And so I immediately went to the web to look up, to see what it starts at. And the one I would want started <laughs> just shy of a hundred thousand dollars. Now I work for a nonprofit. You understand I can't buy a car that costs that kind of money, but let's just say in my illustration here that Alice and I are having that conversation and I'm, I'm saying, you know, I really, really want to buy that car because man, that's what I want. And, you know, if we got the payments over the next 72 years, then, you know, I'm being a little facetious now. And, and if Alice is thinking about, whoa, we spent all these years getting ourselves out of debt. Dave Ramsey's proud of us because we're out of debt. And now you want to go buy a hundred thousand dollar car that it'll cost us a fortune every month. And, and you know, what she wants to do is the first answer is say, are you out of your mind? <laughs> Which would be a reasonable question, I think, but it stops all communication. So instead she acknowledges, Hey, I can see you in that car. I know you would be a happy, happy person if you could drive that thing around and spin it around town and because that's the kind of car you would really love notice she didn't say she agreed with my buying the car acknowledgement is not agreement acknowledgement says i'm going to see your side of this in actuality that happened now not with this hundred thousand dollar car I understand that's just a fantasy of mine (laughs) it was way back in the early 70s when we were young and hadn't been married very long and we passed a Jaguar dealership. And I looked at her and said, going to buy Jaguar. <laughs> I don't know if you understand how financials are so much different back in the early seventies, my salary was $140 a week back then. And we thought we were rich, but it certainly wasn't the kind of money with which you could buy Jaguar. And I'm quite sure the first thing she thought of is there is no way you can do that, but instead what she said was, Hmm, I can see you in that Jag. It would be great. In other words, she acknowledged what I said. She acknowledged, not agreed, but she acknowledged what I felt. She acknowledged what I thought. Then what do you do? Well, she wasn't going to agree with me to buy the Jaguar, just like today. If I were to ask, let's buy that $100,000 Lexus. She's not going to agree with that either. So what do you do if you don't agree? Understand that communication does not always mean agree, but it does mean I'm going to attune, I'm going to ask. I'm not going to assume, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to acknowledge. Now, interestingly, if I acknowledge what you think, what you want, what you feel, you may not think that I'm real happy about it, and I won't be. But I can still acknowledge that it's important to you. So, for example, if we were at some party and something I did that I thought was relatively innocent. I mean, as a matter of fact, I didn't think about it at all. I didn't even know it till we got home and I saw that something was bothering Alice. And we had that serious conversation. And somewhere in that serious conversation, Alice said, you really hurt me with what you did tonight. And I'm thinking, this is just silly because what I did wasn't that big. It wasn't that kind of deal. Still, the acknowledgement becomes the power here because if we're really communicating, I've attuned to her, I've asked for clarification. I understand. I'm going to acknowledge saying, I can see that you're hurt. And I'm so sorry that you feel that hurt. I'm so sorry that I did something that led you to feel hurt. Notice I didn't take responsibility for doing something evil, terrible, or wicked because that wasn't my motive. And the, in the illustration I'm doing here, it's something I did without even realizing it hurt her. But by acknowledging what she feels, by acknowledging that, you understand now that we have done that. We are truly communicating, and that's and that can be a very sincere apology. I'm not apologizing for doing something wicked. I didn't. I'm just saying I'm so sorry that I did something that led you to feel that kind of pain. Understand? I'm taking responsibility for my action without taking responsibility for actions I didn't do. And and that acknowledgement process. What if I got it wrong? What if she said, You don't understand? That's not it. Well, here's the great thing about this AAA system you back up a step. Really, you back up a step and say, Okay, I'm so sorry. I misunderstood. Can I ask a couple of more questions? And by the way, if when you're asking questions, the other person's not giving you answers, I mean, they're getting angrier or whatever, you back up one more step, you attune like I'm missing something here. I'm not really paying attention. So this AAA system is something you go forward in when things are going well, but if communication is not taking place, you just back up one step at a time, back up one step at a time and, and do that one again. You say, well, what if my wife is asking me to do something in the bedroom that I'm comfortable with? What is she going to acknowledge? Remember first she attunes, and if in that attuning to me, harmonizing with me, she realizes I'm going to start talking about sex, I understand she might be tempted, or let's see, I got this backwards. Let's say I'm going to ask something of her. Okay, let's say it that way. And, and we're talking about sex, and she realizes, uh-oh, he's going to ask me to do something in the bedroom, and I'm not sure if I'm going to want to do that. Then does she still attune to me? Absolutely, because she's not going to assume that I'm going to ask her for something she can't do. She's not going to assume that I'm going to harangue her until she does it. She's not going to assume my motivations are terrible and evil because I was out with my friend Charlie and came home with this weird idea. She's not going to assume anything. She's going to attune to me, even if the nature would be like, you started talking about sex, I don't know if I can attune or not. Attune anyway and ask questions, clarify. Now, okay, you said you wanted to this, right? Mm-hmm. Can you help me understand what this is? Okay. And we explain it more. Can you help me understand why you want to do that? Now, remember, stop shouting like, why in the world would you want to do that? That stops communication. But can you tell me why you want to do that? Yes. Okay. And, and we're actually truly communicating. This is working. And then we can get finally to that third step where I can say, Do you understand? And she can say, Yeah, I do. I understand that you want to do this, and I got your reasons for it because you feel that our sex life's getting a little boring, a little dull, and you want to add some spice and life to it. I get it. I understand that. I acknowledge that's what you feel. Now that doesn't mean you just des- necessarily to agree, but at least at this point, we're not fighting. We're understanding. You say, "Well, then, what comes next?" You make sure that the person understands. I can't do that, but when you do, you're not going to attack. You're not going to attack because you're not making the assumption that something's wrong over there on his or her side. What you're going to do is say, I understand why you want to do that. It makes sense to me that you want to do things to make our sex life more exciting. I get it. I I really do understand that. May I explain to you why that particular thing is something that I can't do. Now, if we've been truly communicating up to now, hopefully what happens is by reciprocity, I would attune to her. I would ask her questions. Can you help me understand why you don't want to do that? Now, it can't be like, why? You never want to do anything. Tell me why you, you just said, "Mm -mm, that doesn't work. That's no communication. It's a matter of, can you help me understand why? And listening to her, really understanding her. And then at the end, it could be like, oh, okay. I can see, I can see why that's important to you not to do that. And it might be something like, because based on your religious values, you think that's wrong or because of the fact that, Somebody did something terrible to you earlier in your life or whatever it might be. Now, if you're having that kind of communication and let's say in this illustration that I wanted Alice to do something new and exciting in our sex life and, and we were really communicating and she's acknowledged what I want and that it's okay that I want it. That's what acknowledgement is not agreement, but. Okay, I understand. I get it. You want to have a better sex life, you want it more exciting. She's not taking it personal. She's not making assumptions that I'm rejecting her. She's not making assumptions that I'm thinking she's not a great lover. She's truly, truly listening to me. And now I'm truly, truly listening to her when she says, Let me explain to you why I personally can't do that. Now, You say, well, then you didn't get anywhere. Oh, we got a lot of places. One is we had actually a good deep communication process, a good conversation where we understood each other. That, that makes love grow. That brings us closer to each other. That just in itself is crucial. It's so important because most couples just don't do it. But we've also gained something else. Another advantage, which is now we can talk about, well, is there something else we can do? Because she's not assuming I'm going to try to lead her into some kind of a trap. I'm not assuming that she's going to say, no matter what you bring up, buddy, it ain't going to happen. We're not assuming we're talking, we're we're attuning, we're asking, we're acknowledging. And somewhere through that conversation, we're going to come up with something different than what we've been doing before. We will. And it's going to be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Let's try that. That may not be what I wanted, but you understand it was a step in the right direction. And if we keep communicating like that, a lot of the things that a spouse didn't want to do before, and I'm not talking about now just about sex. I'm talking about, like, vacations. Where do you go? Friends. I mean, whether you go out at night and learn how to dance. I mean, a whole bunch of different things. When you keep having that kind of communication, it gets to where that each of you becomes more giving, more Gracious, more willing to step out of your own little comfort zone to try things the other person wants you to do because you're not feeling forced. You're not fearing retribution. You're communicating. You're really connecting with each other emotionally. Like, you really pay attention to me. You really listen to me. You really, you're really trying to understand me. And I'm doing the same for you. And as you develop that, That leads to a lot of great things in the future. Well, let's talk more about communication in future podcasts, but I surely hope you understand on this one, it's never assume. And I'll recap everything very quickly. Number one, write if you have to, but try not to try to do your serious communication face to face, whatever you do. Don't do your serious communication by text messages. Really just don't, don't do it on Facebook. Really? Don't, and in all likelihood, probably not in emails either. If you have to write, write, use your own hand, sit down, and if you can't write cursive, then print it out, but make it more personal. But preferably, you don't do it by writing, you do it by Talking, And so if you can't see each other, at least talk on the phone, because then you can hear the tone of voice and that helps some, it doesn't help all the way, but it helps some. And the preference is that you see each other. If you can't be in the same room, then use the Skype or the Facebook or whatever, go to a meeting, whatever's out there and use that. But if at all possible, when it comes to your porting conversations, your serious conversations, as much as possible, do it face to face. Now I realize some people are listening, saying I'm deployed. I can't do that. Okay. Use the FaceTime, use the Skype. But when you get home, you spend some time in face-to-face conversation. And when you do that. AAA engine. Number one, attune. In the serious conversations, I'm going to attune to you. We're going to harmonize. I'm looking at you. I've removed all the distractions. I'm truly listening. Ask. I'll ask for clarification. I want to make sure I really understand, but I'm not going to do it in a way that challenges you. I'm just going to do it in a way where we're actually talking and trying to understand and then acknowledge. Even if I don't see it the way you do, I'm going to acknowledge the way you see it. I can see how you feel that way. Can you imagine how much better people in this world would get along if they just did that? I mean, think about Washington, every other place where people don't even listen to the other person. Well, it's applicable to every relationship. It applies to your children. It applies to your husband, your wife. If you're not married, it applies to your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It applies to your parents. Do you get the principles? Hey, visit us at www.marriagehelper.com. And come back to these podcasts as we teach more about how to communicate. Until then, I'm Dr. Joe Beam saying have a good life and keep talking.